an opener. I'm uh, here in the Rest Haven Memorial Gardens. It's kind of across the street from the entrance to Bluffers Park. Bluffers Park, the police have it blocked off, as they often do on Saturday. You come along Kingston Road heading west, and there's no left turns, and they got a car parked right at the entrance. And uh, I know last time that happened, they let me in. I think I pointed to my handicap sticker. Uh, and this time I figured, oh, what the hell. Across the street is a very lovely memorial garden cemetery with a lot of trees, so I'm parked there and uh, starting a podcast. Dixon Jane's number 857, it should be. I just put out the other one yesterday. It is, uh, what is the date today? It's Saturday. And that would be, you know, August, I have to know the date, August the 21st, Saturday, August 21st. So the last one I was just, uh, I was at um, Earl Row Provincial Park, now I'm back home, and on Tuesday, before this podcast is finished... I'll be camping again two more nights in the Kingston area. So you'll be hearing from me again, but I thought I'd get it started. Um, I'm not <laughs> I'm not really sure why I feel the need to, except the Tuesday camping, I'll be meeting my brother and sister-in-law and sister and brother-in-law. And it'll be a long time since we've seen each other, and I won't really be in the mood to uh, to talk to you, relative strangers. I've got my McDonald's $1 coffee. Um, they're so efficient. It's really fast. Look like a lot of cars, and they just zip through. I think a lot of people just show up for the dollar drink. That's all. Uh, I was out shopping. I went to Dollar Tree. I wanted to buy a basin for the road trek for the sink, because I washed the dishes in the sink twice on this weekend, and used a fair amount of water to wash and rinse and soap and everything else. And it all goes down into your gray tank. But eventually that tank's got to be emptied. And uh, each time it's a bit of a hassle. It's usually a smelly place and you got to get the hoses out and you're bent down. And like I say, I don't think my um, automatic thingamajig is working. Uh, so... I'm trying to avoid that. Now, well, if I buy a plastic little dish to, uh, basin to sit in there, it's a very small sink. But I got one that looks like it's going to be just right. Um, and, you know, just learn to do the dishes a little more efficiently. And then I'll be able to dump this out. If you're in a campground, it's just dishwater, not food or garbage. Uh, you can just dump that into the bushes. So that's uh, that was the idea, and then with it, I said, "Ooh, measuring cups! Ooh, yeah, I need those if I'm going to start make, keep making pancakes and things. I want to have measuring cups." 
So, uh, there, hear them? There you go. These are my measuring cups. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Okay. So, anyway, on the home front, there's always something. I mean, you heard the vacuum cleaner. Oh, it just doesn't work anymore. Oh, well, that's the battery and... $175 later, I've got a new battery and a now a working vacuum cleaner. And um, I don't know if I mentioned before I left. Yeah, I think I probably did. The garage door just wasn't working. And, oh, first guy I called, oh, that's a piece of shit motor they got you. You know, 500 bucks will be there today and we'll give you a new one, a real powerhouse motor. You know, that's the kind you need. And then turned out, these are the guy who manufactures the door, not the guys who installed the door. So I call them, and the deal was, yeah, we'll come out, we'll give you a new motor, 150 bucks. The motor's free, but you got to pay the labor, 150 bucks. So a guy comes out Friday, which was the plan, uh, you know, right after my camping. I'm back Thursday, Friday morning. This guy shows up, as promised, 9 o'clock. And um, he says, try it. And I try it, and he can hear the motor, and, uh, okay, that's not working. And he, we, we get the door open manually, and he looks, and there's a, a little string hanging down on a rope with a red plastic handle. He says, well, that's because you got it set for uh, manual. I said, what? He said, well, you got this, 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 it's set on manual. Here, pull this. That hooks over here, now it's automatic. That was all. That was the problem. It was not need for a new motor or anything. It was somehow inadvertently that string had got pulled. It was set to manual, which means you can use a key to open the door and lift it up, uh, which we'd been doing for the past week. He said, no, no, that's it. So job done. They said, well, you know, they'll they'll probably charge you uh, for my time. I said, you were just here like two minutes. You just showed me what to do. There was no problem. And he's a nice guy. He's an older guy, and we chat a bit. And he said, "This, you know, that's all it is to it." And I said, "Well, I, I'm not. I don't. I don't want to pay. I don't want you to, you to have any trouble. I thank you very much." But they could have told me that over the phone. So I'm making this argument to him, and he's saying, "Well, I just, you know, I'll file my report anyway." I said, "Okay, you you do that." But meanwhile, I'll I'll call the company and let them know, you know, if they had told me, we wouldn't have had this trouble. Now, some people, listeners, and Shane Potvin, I'm speaking in particular from uh, uh, Windsor, Ontario, has a short attention span. And by now, he's already lost interest. And some of you may be the same, and that's okay. I drag a story out. Um, and not necessarily in a skillful way, the way that guy down the States, you know, living under the flight path, uh, whatever his name is, Dan Class, who we don't hear from much anymore. Um, you know, he's a better storyteller, but I just wanted to point out at this point, some people can fast forward as Shane likes to do, or just give up altogether. You know, I'll come back, try him next week. Maybe he's got something interesting to say. All right, there was my little interruption. Now back to the story. (laughs) Because you're all interested. You want to know how it resolved itself. Well, I close the door. The guy gets in his truck, you know. And then uh, a couple of minutes later, the doorbell rings. Ding dong. Oh, I go, oh, it's him again. Uh, Yeah, my boss wants me to install the motor. I said, what? Yeah, no, the boss told me I have to install the motor. I said, no, you don't. don't, I don't need a new motor. Yeah, well, you know, he told me. 
I said, let me talk to your boss. And, you know, now at this point, I'm saying, no fucking way. I said, and I said to him, I said, the only way they want, the only reason they want you to install the motor is so they can charge you $150 for your time. I don't need a motor. And he sort of shrugs, and he knows the game. Like, he knows. He said, yeah, but I, I, I want to get paid for my time. I said, don't worry. You'll get paid. It's not your problem. But you tell him, the customer says, no, I don't want a new motor. And clearly, it was from the very first call to the door manufacturer that got the idea in my head, oh, the motor must be broken. It wasn't at all. There's a sort of a little catch, and the motor runs a little track that pulls the door up. And if that's not caught properly, you know, if you pull the little chain down and it doesn't hook onto that motorized track, it doesn't go. And, of course, the motor would start, and then there's nothing to catch onto. So it just sort of hums and then stops. So, anyway... Um, I phoned the company. He left. He, he shrugged. He said, okay, okay, yeah, all right. He left, and I phoned the company, and all I get is a receptionist. Now, well, it's a minimum $95 service charge just for coming. No, I'm not paying that. You know, let me talk to Frank. You know, he's the boss. Well, Frank's not here. I'll pass the message on. Yeah, okay, you do that. Anyway, so there we are. So I haven't heard since. I don't think they'll charge me if they do. I'll I'll balk. I am not going to pay $95. The salesman could have dropped by and said, oh, you just got to pull this chain. Anybody else could have solved that problem in any other way. To pay $95 to have somebody tell you pull this cord, uh, it's just not right. Now, I wanted to make it clear, and I would tell them, they did an excellent job installing the door. I have no problem at all. This is Dodds Doors, D-O-D-D-S, Dodds Doors, shout out. Great job they did, and as long as they don't charge me for that service call, I'm very happy with their service and would recommend them to anyone. All right? There we go. Deal's done. All right, so, all right, and we got that out of the way. Now we're warmed up. How long was that? Oh, almost 10 minutes. Oh, poor you. Ah. So, the news, so depressing. Haiti, just a couple of doctors kidnapped. The places where they're trying to get trucks into remote villages, they just it gets hijacked by gangs. Uh, Afghanistan, the people at the gate to try and get into the airport and armed guards and you can't get in and people who are legitimately have a reason to get on a plane and fly to safety with their family, can't get through. And... You hear the big news story, Haiti, Afghanistan, you know, chaos. But you have to think of the individual lives. Like that one mother with her child and the father knows I helped the Americans. They know who I am. Somebody's going to tell them, I've got to get my wife and son on that plane. And I'm outside and there's no way I can reach the people on the other side of the gate to say, you know me, you know I helped you. And and that's the tragedy. And that poor, you know, subsistence farmer in Haiti or whatever, a little vendor who sells oranges, can't get food, doesn't have, you know, he's an old man, he's weak, he can't stand up to somebody with a gun and a machete. It's so, so sad for the amount of pain and suffering that is just constant since the beginning of time and it is the nature the brutality of life because i watched a nature show the other day and and there it is just the struggle the fight the dominance eat or be eaten you know you watch a show on sharks and predators and and 
the cat family and wolves and ferrets and everything, and it's just constant. And then you get higher up into the baboons, and oh, some might actually care for and help each other, but wow, there's still an old man in there who wants to beat the kids and uh, take the women, and there's still this brutality and nastiness you can't get away from it. And it's it's so terribly sad that it's the nature of our existence, and yet here... We live in this little bubble, this little safe bubble. Ooh, I got friends. Ooh, I got a nice cold iced coffee for a dollar. Like everything is comfortable and nice and snug in my world. And I've got a little dishpan for my new road trek so I can go camping and wash my dishes. And everything is fine in my life. There's nothing wrong. It's terribly, terribly sad when you think about it but the the thing is what can you do what can you do can you can you just live in misery when you have everything no you have to be grateful you have to celebrate you have to make make the most of the blessings you have enjoy them enjoy this life because any one of those other people who are suffering now would do anything to trade places with you include kill you but just, like, hey, if you've got this, don't spend your life being miserable and depressed. And I don't know. I, I know I'm contradicting myself. Well, how do you do both? How do you care and at the same time be happy? You know? That's, that's tricky. It's very tricky. So uh, before anybody accuses me of any more hypocrisy... I guess I'll end here. I guess that's the start. That's the warm-up on Tuesday. I'll be on the road again. And uh, looking forward to it. Looking forward to seeing my brother and sister. It's been a long time. They're good people. They're both older than me, five and seven years older. Sister's 80. My God. 80-year-old sister. Hey, that's the age of old aunts. But uh, that's who she is. She's uh, she's aunt to my uh, my son's. And she's a good aunt to, uh, especially my uh, son out in Vancouver. They communicate a lot. That's wonderful. And she saved all the letters, and we shared an awful lot. And she is, too, featured in uh, my new book for some of the personal letters we exchanged. Yeah, I enjoyed the role of uncle myself when I was with her kids. All right. I guess that's it, right? Oh, I put the bell away. Hang on, let me get back out and we'll uh, sign off because I guess that's enough. That's a warm-up to uh, the Dixon Jane's podcast. Oh, by the way, I am still watching three, four, five um, Slim Potato Head videos a day. His his camera work is amazing. And he'll do a shot like he's climbing a mountain. And he's going up some rough terrain. And you know that he's actually planted a camera there to record his walk because he's doing all this solo to walk up and he's got to come back and pick up that camera on the way back or make a, a beeline and get back to it and then head off again and like he narrates through his camera it's an amazing job this guy is doing slim potato head believe me i mean if you're not a camper it might not mean much he's he's they all feature his trailers uh an a an a a-liner, and then this other cute little small bubble that she customized. I mean, he put a wood stove in both of those, like a wood stove, a wood-burning stove, running on pellets most of the time. But 
you know, hook that up. It's amazing when you see the handiwork the guy is capable of, the skill set he has. But it's not just that. It's his philosophy. It's his attitude to life. It's his love of nature and camping and the outdoors. And and he's been doing this since he was like a, a teenager. So you know, here's a guy who's put 40 years into wilderness hiking, tenting. Like, you know, I watched one where he camped a couple of nights out in the snow in Alberta. And damn cold. But he backpacked through the woods and up a hill. And uh, he'll do all those climbs still to prove he can still do it. And then at the end of the day, he sits there and winds the video down and concluding... And he pulls out nice cold beer and enjoys that. So he's a real guy too. Uh, I'm just, I'm just, uh, I even, I'm even fascinated by his wardrobe. God, he's got some good sweaters and clothes. Like he's, he's a, a guy's guy, and uh, great, great, great entertainment and very professional, very well done. So uh, check it out, Slim Potato Head. Scabber dude signing off. Bye for now. Chick, chick, chick. Hello. Hello. Okay. Let's cover a dude back at you from Presqu'il Provincial Park. Um, it's a, a lovely, huge park, almost 400 sites. Uh, the sites I've seen in the particular section I'm in are the smallest campsites I have ever seen. Um, and that's okay. It's sort of on a... It's along Lake Ontario. This is called High Bluff, the section I'm in. And I'm in the row sort of furthest from the beach. There's a whole lot of sites, about 40 sites, sort of facing the beach, uh, but they're non-electric. And those would be the ones that would be booked very, very quickly. But most of the sites are quite open. You can see directly from one site backing onto the next site. At least I'm on an outer edge, so there's nobody behind me. And now that I've got the road trek in, I'm blocked off from the neighbor beside me, which I think is going to be a noisy neighbor. It's been very quiet the whole time I've been camping. Uh, they've been family sites. But this I've seen, I think it's two cars of young people. And uh, the music is already going, and it's three in the afternoon. So uh, I have the feeling there'll be a, a fire and uh, some loud talking. But I'm not, I'm not going to worry about that. Um, I've put something in the fridge that I'm sure is going to be disgusting. I've had it in my own freezer at home for a long time. Nobody wants to eat it, not even my son. Or maybe especially not my son. Uh, it looks like chicken and swirly pasta and some yellow sauce. It, it looks absolutely disgusting. And I, I bought it, you know, one-time shopping. Oh, you could do that camping, you know, if you needed a quick lunch in the microwave. So I'm having it as, I don't know what meal this is, mid-afternoon meal. Uh, and I've got a cider going, and by golly, it's nice. Uh, this time I bought, I bought, I've got beer, drank a few last night, I'll get back to that. And uh, then a few ciders. Hang on while I get it out of the uh, the sleeve. Sorry. It's called Batch 90, 1904. 
Small Batch Slow Fermented Fresh Ontario Apples Brickwork Cider House Toronto. A premium dry craft cider. It's really good. Cider is a nice change sometimes from beer. Uh, especially, you know, when it's thirst quenching. Uh, nice bubbles. It looks good when you pour it into the glass. Let me just have a taste. You could guzzle it back. You could you could you could, you could guzzle it back. Um, it's got a nice nice flavor to it. Decent aftertaste. Uh, no complaints here at all. And I'm glad that's my opening drink of the day. I had um, probably three cans of beer last night, uh, and uh, then some wine to go with my steak when I was camping with my. Uh, Brother and sister-in-law and sister and brother-in-law. They weren't camping. They were uh, in another hotel. But my brother was with his trailer. And I got the site in Rideau Acres Campground right beside him or them. And uh, it was perfect. So we just, you know, we had two sites. And and it was nice. It was under these trees. I don't know. I don't think I recorded from there. Uh, It was quite, quite lovely. And very nice time. He uh, got my brother-in-law, David, who's an ex-scout. His father was a scout leader to build a small fire, a cooking fire. And we got down to the coals. My brother had a new thing he had bought in a um, an RV shop. And it's like three tall legs. Mm. Oh, fuck off, your unknown caller. You want to hear it? Hello. Oh, hi, May. Speak to Ken. Uh, yeah, speaking. Hi, Ken. My name is Mary, and I'm a volunteer with John McKay for Scarborough Guildwood. Okay, well, he's listen, he's got my vote already, so I don't want you to waste time on me. Get some of the undecided people. Oh, thank you very much. Okay. Uh, do you, would you like a sign? Um, I've had them in the past. I'll get back to you. I'm out camping right now. If I want a sign, okay. I'll, I'll give you a call. Sure, but uh, good, lu- good luck on this one. I'm pretty sure he'll get in. Aren't you sure? Um, well, right now he's the only confirmed candidate. <laughs> well, that's a good sign. He's been in there for a long time, and uh, I personally, I like the man very much. So he's been uh, good to me. So uh, I, I'll be sure, and I'll probably will call for a sign closer uh, closer to the election. Okay. All right. Thank you very much for taking my call. Yeah, no problem. Bye bye. Bye bye. Well, there you go. That was something different, wasn't it? <laughs> Ew. <laughs> that makes me laugh. Uh, anyway, so where were we? Oh yeah, camping. And so uh, you know, they they had this thing, and then there's a on a chain hangs down a round circular grill that just sits right on top of the fire. I mean, you got a nice fire with coals, which uh, David, my brother-in-law, did perfectly. Uh, just put the hamburgers on, and I put my steak on, and uh, then later a couple of sausages. Everything cooked just perfectly. It was wonderful. So uh, it was a nice gathering, and it's very rare. This is the first time post-COVID, you know, post-COVID, I guess you'd call it, that I've uh, spent time with my uh, brother and sister in person, close. And uh, it was a wonderful time. And family time, I posted a nice picture on my Facebook page just now. And, uh, yeah. So anyway, I'm going to eat this disgusting meal, and I'll probably get back to you later on. I'm sure there's lots of things to... uh, Oh, Gosh, you know, you can't, you're talking, I can't do anything about it. I'm sure there are some people who find that so revolting and just, oh, come on, man. 
you know, I think like farting is less rude. If I was to fart on the podcast, people would, all right, I've got no problem with that. But burping is kind of really, it's more in your face, you know, because it's coming from the face. The asshole is some distance away, but the face is right at your face. And, and to burp in your ears like that is is very rude. However, I won't apologize. It, it's nature's course. It had to be done. Um by the way, I've just taken a walk around the park to the shores of Lake Ontario and a, and a walk, circular walk back. And I was done in. And I'm in the worst shape I've ever been in my life. And it is time. i got to call my doctor, call the uh, physio people and say, hey, look, uh, this is, uh, I'm, I'm going downhill much too quickly now. Compared to my older brother and sister, they're five and seven years older than me and I'm worse shape than they are. Uh, you know, this is, this is not right. This is, something's gotta, something's gotta give here. So, uh, that will be my job when I get back home to say, follow up on that. Hey, what about that appointment with the physio? Or I need some advice or what are some exercises and get another, you know, my, my own doctor, the family doctor, he doesn't touch you anymore. Like he just, he's, you go in, you sit beside him, he turns on the computer, he reviews the latest blood tests and uh, renews your prescription and that's it. My old doctor, old school, was a surgeon. And you'd go in there and I'd say, okay, okay, push, 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 push. And he'd make you push your hand against his. He'd test your reflexes. He'd test your move. All right, push your leg this way. Push, push, push. Which is exactly what I need now to, you know, to, to measure my resistance or how weak it is. And that's, that's what he did. And this new doctor sort of, you know, he's more like a... More like a shrink and sort of, yeah, well, you know, you're getting old, you know, and like, what's to be done? And uh, that's not good. That's not good in the long run. As much as I like the guy, uh, he's kind of, he's not doing much to help me, I don't think. He's certainly not proactive, which means I'll have to be. All right, I got to go eat that crap. I'll give you a full report later. Scarborough Dude signing out from Presquidle Provincial Park on the shores of Lake Ontario. Bye for now. Check, check. Oh, hang on, hang on. There we go. Um, I don't know how much you can hear this in the background. Not my squeaky chair. But uh, the sound of the air conditioner. Can you hear it? I'll hold up the mic. It's a steady hum. Um, I don't, I don't know how loud it will be from the next campsite. I can look out my window at them now. They've got a trailer, a couple of tents. I see just four people, two couples. Uh, they might not be too loud, guy and a girl. If it was four guys, I'd be worried. Uh, two couples, and um, so we'll see what happens there. Um, right now, I'm the problem. They probably think, "Oh shit, I got a tent pitched right beside this asshole with an air conditioner." blasting away but uh, partly I had to make sure it still works my macerator is not working I'm gonna have that means I can't dump my tanks the the black and gray water tanks Um, I'm gonna check when I get home to see if there's a fuse I'll do a little research I don't feel like doing it now to see if it's it could be just a fuse but uh, likely it's uh, something worse and I'll have to take it to an RV specialist to uh, to fix that at a cost, as for everything. But uh, anyway, so be it. Uh, but uh, I got into the road trek, and it was 
hot. I had windows open, not the front windows, but the windows with screens in the back. And uh, but fired up the air conditioner, and it's nice. That holy shit, you've you've got a working air conditioner in this thing. I mean, this it just seems phenomenal. All that came working with this thing. Got my hand now, and that's blasting out. It's called a cool cat heat pump. So that is a furnace in the front and then this air con, which is mounted on the roof uh, here in the back, and it's making a difference. All I want to do is cool it down. You know, I'm trying to get back onto the bed. I I don't know about this new system. I mentioned I had a new diagonal sleeping system where I, I don't put the middle cushions in, so instead of dealing with a big rectangle, you know, or a rectangle I can sleep crossways uh, but if I move too far towards the middle, then there's nothing support. My knees are right over an edge. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, we'll see. But now the whole thing is cooling down. So I'm just going to give a little more time with the air conditioner, if you don't mind. <coughs> and, uh, I need a little rest. I didn't, couldn't sleep last night because of the heat. Got the air fan on, maybe I mentioned that, and, uh, that helped a lot. Uh, but I still, I think I'm getting by on about uh, four hours sleep, so I need a little, a little rest now with the aircon. So signing off, just wanted you to, uh, just wanted to share some of the uh, oh, wonderful, the the luxuries of having a machine like this for camping. My God, it's good. Scarborough dude, signing off. Bye for now. Yeah, I'm holding this. The The air conditioner is right over my head on the roof here. It's a big roof-mounted thing, so you can hear it. If I hear, hold the mic up to the ceiling, you can hear it. And that second sound, here, I'll do it again. That is the sound of cool air blowing through uh, some of the ceiling vents right over the bed. That's nice, too. All right. Catch you later. don't know how well you can hear that, but um, that is the sound of Lake Ontario uh, lapping against the shoreline. I went, uh, well, I lay down for maybe half an hour, aircon on at first, which was wonderful. I mean, to actually be able to air condition that damn thing and get cool air, like, it, hey, it works. I'm always amazed when anything works. Um, and then after that, Put on the, uh, shut it down, open the ceiling fan, turn it on, and uh, I lay for a little while. And then oh, I can't just, you know, lay here. It's 4.30. Gotta get up, man. So, uh, grabbed uh, a quarter of a cookie from the uh, fridge, and you know what that means, or could mean. 
and uh, swig down some cold water and the last of my cider. And I uh, was going to carry a nice, big, comfortable chair I could sit back in. And the goddamn thing is so heavy, the road track chair. And I am not going to carry that damn thing down to the beach. You know, it's it's hard enough just walking. So I uh, got my little footstool, this little triangular thing. And it works perfectly. And I'm able to now actually sit on a nice flat rock right on the shore. Uh, this is not really a beach. Uh, there is a beach a little further down. I see a lot of people there. It's called Sandy. Or, you know, one of the Sandy beaches. There are many beaches in this park. Um, but uh, where I am now, it's just a pleasant view. It looks like there's an island across there. Maybe not. Maybe that's connected to the mainland. Uh, but a little bit of haze in the sky. But the sun, yeah, the sun is still pretty damn high. But it's nice. And it's just a little cooler sitting by the water's edge. So that's where I've taken you. That's where we are. That's where I am. And uh, that's what I'm sharing. And uh, that's where I'm going to end. I just wanted to give you a little time by the water, okay? Just sort of like a, uh, a break from the usual. I'm back, and uh, I'm going to have to tell you a little, very short little anecdote about what I just did. I've been sitting by the water on a rock on my little folding triangular footstool, and it's comfortable enough, you know. It's a couple of feet, is it, off the ground, I guess, yeah. Anyway, I've been looking, I'm right at the water's edge. It's very mossy, there's flat rocks. This is not a sandy beach, this is this is stone. And it looks like a lot of green, slippery-style moss is all over the rocks. And there's a part of me that's just like a little boy saying, I want to put my feet in the water. I want to feel the water. I want, to, I want my bare feet. Because I'm wearing just short pants. I took off my, uh, my cloggeroos there, these, uh, you know, crocs, and, um, which I'm being very careful with, believe me. Anyway, I just, I was staring at it, and, I, and the voice, the brain was just saying, no, you can't. You can't. You're going to fall. It's going to be a disaster. You're going to slip. You're going to lose your balance. You can't. You can't. And it was a very serious, and it was like another voice, the common sense voice. No, uh, you don't want to do that because, uh, you know, boy, you could really fall and hurt yourself. No, 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 no. That's too dangerous. No, you just sit there. And um, next thing you know, well, it wasn't the next thing, it took quite a while, but I'm up and I'm surveying the ground and I see a little spot and I think, okay, that's a little less mossy, Uh, it's rocky, it looks like it's going to hurt when I stand on it, but I could maybe enter the water that way. And I just, you know, step by step with the cane, 
Very scary. Believe me, it was scary. Because it's just the brain shouting fear, you know. And I can't calculate. Is that just fear it's unfounded or fear that's saying, hey, I'm the body and I know exactly what the fuck is going to happen here. So listen to me, asshole. Don't go in. And it, it, it was a battle. So anyway, I got I got my feet wet in that spot. It was very uncomfortable. And I looked over to the left and thought, okay, the rock looks mossy and green there, which is slippy. However, it's a little flatter and it looks like it would be more comfortable for your feet. So I, I gradually made my way over and, and uh, then, okay, that's that's it. Okay, you better get back in. Now find your, find your route. How are you going to get back in or back to dry ground without falling? Uh, and then I extended. No, no, no. I'm going to take just one more step out here and found a nice spot. And so I can say yes. All right. Sitting here telling myself I can't. Then forcing myself to do it anyway and having just a small little bit of satisfaction uh, at having gone into the water, got my feet wet as I, as I wanted to. And I guess that's one more of the things I talked about, you know, doing scrambled eggs the other day and an omelette, uh, no, pancakes, banana pancakes and um, putting the awning and just doing the little extra. Okay, you want to do something, do it. Don't, don't, don't give up. Don't hold back. Don't just shut down. You know, that's so easy to do. And, uh, you know, push a little. And, and so that's what that was about. But meanwhile, the other voice is saying, okay, and now when you get back, you sure as fuck better call uh, that number you've got to get you into some physiotherapy program because you've, you've really started to slide quickly and your abilities are really, they've really plummeted. And if there's a psychological factor to it, you know, in my head, and I can get some help there, I don't think it is. I think it's just genuinely, no, there's no balance, and uh, you're just constantly in danger of falling unless you hold on to something. Okay, I just wanted to share that little bit. You should be proud of me. You should be saying, hey, Ken, hey, yeah, that's not Ken. That's nice. I'm glad you did that, Ken. I'm glad, I'm glad you put your little footsies in the water on the shores of Lake Ontario. Good for you. Good for you, boy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Okay, boys and girls, it is much later, uh, and I'm still sitting on my little folding footstool by the water. Don't know where I left off, Uh, but I've been... um, The cookie kicked in. The cookie kicked in, and uh, I think that makes a good title. It's an expression I've used many times, because the cookie has kicked in many times. And uh, this is a good one. I'm uh, riding it out, sitting in the edge of the water, and, and, you know... Loving how beautiful the mossy green is on the rocks here, like it's a slimy... Well, I told you that when I went for the little walk. But now I'm seeing the beauty. The subtle colors, this green and sort of black-gray rock. And just some stands out, and there's a rusty, and there's various... In that green, there's there's a light, and a slightly darker and darker, you know. 
Um, so it's it's quite beautiful. I took a couple of photographs or pictures and um, just admired how beautiful they look. And I'm still doing that. And uh, I'm going to make my way back to the camp. But I thought I'd, uh, I should end off from here. I don't know, hearing a horn or something. It's nice to hear the kids, but... Anyway, uh, I was reflecting, as I do, and uh, what did I come up with? Um, it's uh, it's good to spend time with uh, with other humans. It's uh, very special to have friends that you can be comfortable with. And you want to be comfortable, or you know, with your friends. My God, if you can't be comfortable with your friends, yeah. And it should be that way for family too. But I, I, I think for family, it's not, it's sometimes not. It's maybe more difficult. But uh, for friends, you know, hey, that's that's the beauty of the beast. That's the beauty of the beast. I don't know if that makes sense, but uh, yeah, I was trying to tell myself. Oh, I I know. I, I was thinking. Why would I go back to camp? I'm just sitting there on a chair under an awning, looking at some mud, and I guess a few trees behind me, but not nearly as beautiful as this, you know, shoreline on Lake Ontario. So why would you leave here? What would call you back? Well, at one point, a drink and food, and this, the, the driving factor might be this bloody stool is getting so uncomfortable. Hey, Jesus, man, it's just like it. It's like you're poked in all directions. So, uh, yeah, i got to uh, start making my way back home. I won't take you for the walk. I'd be going by too many campsites, and people would think it's strange to see a man walking down, um, talking to himself like that. You know, I think I'm already appearing strange. That's exactly what I'm doing on the beach, but nobody's really watching. It's it's nice. I, I've, got a, I've got a spot by myself. And then basically I was asking myself, well, what are you doing? What could be more than this? And, and yeah, I asked myself the question, why are you recording all the time? And my answer was, I'm hanging on to something, but I don't know what it is. I'm hanging on to something, and I don't know what it is. And and is that a, a need to, like, prove life or something? Is it a need to, uh, you know, they, they're afraid to, of letting go. I think maybe everybody's afraid of letting go. You want to leave your mark or something, don't you? Uh, you know, Tom, he's got a connection with the Fog Lounge. That's Maybe that, he doesn't want that as his whole identity, but it is a special one. Something he's leaving behind. A bit of history in Windsor. And neat people. And uh, this is it. I, I am blessed to have so many good and interesting friends. And, uh, yeah, that counts for a lot. So I will sign off there, and uh, it was just, you know, I was just basically telling myself, hey, it's sort of like a seize the moment, you know, um, you're here now, maximize this experience, and then thinking, well, why do you need to maximize, like, how do you do that anyway, and, and what is the point, you're just here, just be here, but, you know, it's like, no, it has to be more somehow, it has to be more than just being here, and and, you know, the Zen answer is no, it doesn't. It doesn't have to be any more than what it is. But you're thinking, well, yeah, but there's, I have an ego. I have a person to preserve, you know. 
And it's weird because I know, like, I'm not a special person. Uh, I, I've tried to make myself an interesting person. I've done a pretty good job at that, I, you know. I mean, although I can be a bore. Um, but, um, hmm. well, I don't know what I just gave myself, but I'll, uh, I'll take it. Ah, interesting enough person. But that, that, that sense of, you know, well, what are you hanging on? Just let go, let go, just just ride. And then, okay, now that is when the cookie is kicking in. It's, it's the thing causing you to have all these uh, other levels of thinking. Not that they're brilliant or anything. They're just uh, reflecting on what does this moment mean? You know, what is this reality I'm experiencing now? Is, it, is there a volume control? Is there a fine-tuning that goes with it? Is there a better picture? Is there another dimension I should be looking into, but I can't see? Ah, I think that's the thing. I'm sitting here and I have a visual sense of the water and an audio sense. The waves coming in and I I know I'm on a place that's been created by fellow men and it's organized. It's run by the government. There are gates and responsible people in uniforms and you have assigned places to be, numbers. Yeah, And that's all good. It's safe, and uh, you've, you've got your little spot to enjoy yourself. It's, it's kind of funny in some ways, you know. Huh? This is it. Uh, compared to Slim Potato Head and his escapades of, uh, you know, boondocking all over the southwest and the north and uh, all over. person doing real travel. Yeah, I guess I've got a little bit of fear, too. I think I've got some fear in me that uh, I probably always have. And again, idiot, everybody does. It's a natural thing. Of course you have fear in you. You're supposed to. That's how you're. That's why you're still alive. Okay, hey, can we shut this down now? It's getting a little scary out here. Just listen to the waves and shut the fuck up. Thank you, thank you. Thursday, August 26th, I've had a very leisurely start to the day, I was up at 7, went to bed early last night, I, I did something different last night, maybe I already told you, I can't remember from clip to clip, you know, because so much is, <clears throat> I have conversations in my head with people and things I think I'd like to say to somebody else, and so I just lose in memory. It's just all mushed together. What did I actually say? What did I write? What did I send in an email? What did I tweet? Um, and what was I just plain thinking? So uh, there'll be repeats. But, uh, hey, you're just as likely to forget as uh, as I am. So it doesn't really matter. But I did, I spent, I didn't want to, I just didn't feel like building the fire, hauling the wood out, getting it started, sitting there. I had a really nice fire the night before. 
at my brother's um, camp spot and uh, watched it right down to the end. I thought, no, tonight I'll spend the night inside the road trek, reading a little bit and uh, lying there listening to music. And I was high, you know. Boy, oh boy. I mean, guaranteed a quarter of a cookie. And this is a $10 cookie. So I guess it's, you know, a fair amount of weed if you think of it that way, you know, for uh, $2.50. I got really high for a very long time. Down by the water... Uh, and then coming back here and still, you know, and, and you know when you're high and you read things, it, things take on greater significance. And uh, so it was a, a pleasant evening indoors. Uh, not as hot as the night before, but I had the fan going all night, which really helped. And a couple of times I fired up the air conditioner just to cool a whole <coughs> interior of the road track down. So anyway, here I am, last of the coffee. I made blueberry pancakes this morning, and, um, you know, for the thought of it was almost greater than the actual taste of the pancakes and so on. They were fine. There's nothing wrong with them. They were cooked perfectly, and it was fun to do. But it wasn't just, oh, my God, this is heaven, you know. Not like sometimes you bite into a piece of steak, and it's cooked just right. And you've got the texture and the taste and the flavor and the juice. And it's a very it's a visceral experience. It's It's, you know, it's real. This is just, you know, butter and pancake, butter and syrup on a pancake. And uh, it's warm to the taste, but uh, yeah, nothing special. Okay, nothing special. But uh, that was breakfast. I don't know what I'll do for lunch. Doesn't really matter. Could have a steak and fried egg. Or nothing at all. Don't feel like anything right now. In fact, I didn't even finish the second pancake. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a little more Henry Miller. And I guess the uh, what I want to talk about is I know Kerouac. I mean, I've studied Kerouac. I've read all the bios and so on. And so when my friends may make casual reference to Kerouac, they know, they know he died a sort of a right-wing conservative-style drunkard, a very sad ending, not at all in line with the hippie, hippie movement that followed the Beats. Whereas Ginsburg was and Burroughs was, Girls became Burroughs became a sort of a cult figure in that whole group, uh, with recording artists and so on. But Kerouac, no, he just and it's a sad, very sad ending to a life. But I'm on a few Facebook groups, Kerouac, and and this just it's just continuing. You know, there's another publication, another one, and another one. There's just people putting things out on whatever they can find or think might be original. Um, but it's basically, it's Kerouac worship. You know, the man could do no wrong. And I am a Henry Miller fan, and I have such strong feelings about this that I don't think anybody else would really, well, yeah, some people would really care, but I'm not reaching those people. You, the listening audience, I don't think care at all. Uh, that, to me, it's so important that Kerouac fans pay homage to Henry Miller and say, hey, okay, he he was there doing stuff, authentic stuff, looking for the things Kerouac was searching for long before Kerouac. And people just don't know that. And he's forgotten. And I find it tragic. It's, I almost feel like it's a personal mission. I'm a nobody. I mean, I'm not... I have no say, but except within my little circle. Maybe you, the listener, are part of that little circle. I'm going to read um, the, a little bit from uh, the book, 
The Unknown Henry Miller, A Seeker in Big Sur by Arthur Hoyle that I ordered. Um, gosh, maybe I've already settling Big Sur. Maybe i got to go back to the beginning. Um, here we are. Miller had left Los Angeles for Monterey without definite plans. Okay, so he's traveling. His intention, declared in a letter to an acquaintance just before his departure, was to take a vacation of five, six, or seven weeks, then try to figure out a way to get to Mexico. So Miller at this point has no money. He's, you know, begging for it, writing letters. He's already an artist. He's already written and published Tropic of Cancer, I guess Tropic of Capricorn, in France in English, not translated into French yet. But nobody will touch those books in America. They're considered porn or, uh, uh, what do you call it? So it has to be censored, I guess, pornography. Uh, and uh, they won't touch them. And so he's not known other than his sort of his secondary writings, some other books he's done, essays, and he's got a whole team of people trying to get him recognized, the huge fan supporters uh, and the literary elite love the man because he's living not just as a writer, but living the life that he talks about in his books. All right. So he's still trying to figure out a way to get to Mexico. He set out on the road in mid-February, a homeless 52-year-old hitchhiker with $7 in his pocket and reached Big Sur in early March after staying in Monterey with the Vardas. So that line alone... You know, he's hitchhiking. He's 52. He's homeless. He's got $7. And he's heading off to Big Sur. Somebody's told him about it. He's been invited to live in a cabin there. Uh, But as living as Linda Sargent's guest in a cabin above the sea for several weeks, he decided to remain there. And Linda arranged for him to move into a one-room shack on Partington Ridge, used as a weekend getaway by a former boyfriend from Carmel, Keith Evans, then serving in the U.S. Army. Rent was $10 per month, payment optional. So um, he wrote to Anais Nin, his partner in crime, I am living with nature more and more, and this Big Sur country where I have now been now for two months is tremendous. So, you know, that's just a little sampling of why I think he is the real thing. And there was that time when he was still living in Big Sur, when Kerouac came to San Francisco. You all know this story. It's part of the lore. Um, And Ferlinghetti had arranged for Kerouac to meet Henry Miller. And I think Kerouac just chickened out and was just, uh, you know, afraid to face up to somebody so much greater than himself. And uh, he just got stinking drunk, and uh, they couldn't find him, and uh, he just missed that opportunity. And meanwhile, they're calling Miller, sorry, we're going to be late, and, you know, Miller is an old man by this point. Well, well, old enough. (laughs) And, you know, it was was disrespectful to start with. Kerouac should have got in there on his knees and begged for wisdom from Miller. But he didn't. So anyway, that's just how I feel. And I feel really strong. In the little things in life that we care about, and there are so many things you can care about or not care about. I care about Henry Miller, and I care about the fact that I think Kerouac fans should all 
know that they owe something. Kerouac owes something. And if you're a fan of Kerouac, then you, in turn, owe something to Henry Miller. All right. I'll leave it at that. I'll get back to the book. Uh, it's uh, it's a good read, and it's, uh, for me, new material. Um, I, I guess I suppose I could say one more thing about um, the people who had so much respect for him. Um, ah, no, I'll... Well, all right. Sir, Her- Sir Herbert Reed, England's leading critic, found Miller's body of work possibly the most significant contribution to the literature of our time. He's never obscene for obscenity's sake. There is effort about his obscenity. It is all part of the process of realization, a natural consequence of his devastating honesty and also of his vitality, his joie de vivre. Uh, The most profound and penetrating evaluation of Miller at this stage of his life and career was written by the English poet and critic Nicholas Moore. His monograph, simply entitled Henry Miller, was published in 1943. So we're going way back, folks. We're still in the wartime. Miller, of course, is not going to have anything to do with the war effort. He was a pacifist, a bit of an anarchist. Uh, He viewed Miller not simply as a writer, but as a whole man, a man who celebrates life in all its manifestations and contradictions, whose view of man's experience is essentially positive and affirmative, despite the degradations he exposes and ridicules. Uh, What he is concerned with is the heart of man, his mind and his soul, and anything else he may possess, his inner possessions. And it is because he is so alive to all these things that Miller is such a great writer and such a great man. Moore saw Miller breaking through to a new kind of novel with Tropic of Cancer, a novel whose form was organic, not artificial, structured like a jazz improvisation rather than around a contrived plot. So there is, again, Screams Kerouac. Yeah, that's the kind of thing he was doing, right? It's jazz. Uh, Imitating the random stream of life, embracing all, accepting all. Moore lamented the fact that Miller's most important books were not really available to the ordinary reader. (coughs) For he is a common man himself, and he speaks in the language of the common man, a language that that in its full richness is not permitted in print. It is unfortunate that for this reason his best books cannot be published, either in America, the country of his birth, or in this country, England. So there you go. Still banned at this time as obscene. And uh, because of, you know, the language that he used to tell his story. All right. Maybe you've had enough, but uh, I needed to get that out. Scarborough Dude signing off from uh, Presque Provincial Park, just sitting here under the awning in a comfortable chair with my feet up on my footstool and uh, reading and having my last cup of coffee. Sounds okay, doesn't it? Bye for now.